Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Rice Creaseman, and as always, I am excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show, though actually, a little bit of a fib there, not a whole lot of Colorado Rockies baseball conversation. I'm still getting caught up on all the on the field stuff. There's a few individual players I want to break down and talk about here in the next couple of days. Maybe even starting to get to the point of the season, especially considering the Rockies record where I'm going to start dedicating entire podcasts to season recaps and future previews of individual players. But for now, there were a couple of big things in the news, and we are going to talk about one individual player today. And you could probably guess who, if you've been paying attention to the Rockies news. And that, of course, is 31-year-old rookie Wenton Bernard. Very excited to get into a little bit of thoughts and conversation about that. But before we can have our desserts, we've got to eat our vegetables and talk about the other big story in Major League Baseball right now. I really, you know, I I don't always comment. If something's a big story for another individual team, I don't oftentimes bring it here because it's not necessarily going to be relevant to you as a Rockies fan. You know, I I try to keep those things to a minimum. But this Fernando Tatis Jr. thing is something that we have to talk about, isn't it? This is obviously bigger than that. This is a huge, huge deal. Fernando Tatis Jr. did a very dumb. So let's back up for anyone. There's nobody listening to this who doesn't know at this point that Tatis was just suspended for 80 games for a banned substance. And if you're on Twitter, you also almost certainly know that he and or his agents put out this very weird and I'll use the word misleading statements about the drug that he tested positive for and something about ringworm and it's just like everybody googled that and saw that that was clearly not true and not what happened he got popped for for PEDs man and like why Now, and how in the world could you be that bonehead? In 2022, he got popped for PEDs. This isn't just, you know, it's not 2006. A couple of years after, you know, the the reports and the, the changing of the rules and all this stuff. And after the outrage over the whole Barry Bonds thing. It's like, it's not... And I know that it, that it does still happen to guys. But, man, Fernando Tatis Jr., and I've seen a couple people come out and say, and look, I'm all for piling on the Padres. Y'all, y'all know I am. I'm going to get to it. Don't worry. I'm going to do some of that here in just a minute. But I've seen some people coming out and saying, you know, the guy was overrated to begin with. I had a, a few people, you know, who I know and, and trust and, and really love, you know, getting into the nitty gritty about this stuff with and say, you know, wasn't he kind of overrated? And, and, and I got to tell you, I'm not on that train. When the, the one thing where I thought people were running a little too fast and too far with both the Tatis hype and the Padres hype was when he, he was still a young player. You've got to do it for a number of years before you can really be relied upon in the game of baseball. And even then, it can fall apart at any time. But still, you, you know, I, I think with some of these young guys... We tend to just 
run overboard anymore with the hype train of this guy is going to be a superstar for a decade and all of this. The thing I was most concerned about, and I remember I went on a radio show here, and and I sadly, I can't remember exactly which one, if it was one of our Mile High Sports shows, if I went on with Anilo, or I think it actually might have been with Ryan Harris and Scott Hastings and Josh Dover. And we were talking about Tatis because he had just signed the big contract. And I compared him to Troy Tulowitzki in both the good ways and the bad ways. And those of you who know me and know like going far, far back that I'm the guy who wrote the literally wrote a series of articles at Purple Row at the time. Arguing that Troy Tulowitzki was a better baseball player than Mike Trout. And on a game to game basis, he was. His problem was that he couldn't stay on the field. And Fernando Tatis Jr. is proving to have the exact same problem. I believe that when he's at his best and he's on the field, Tatis is in that category. Right there with Mike Trout and Juan Soto, his new teammate. And in that way, it's really, really sad that this has happened. Cover athlete of MLB The Show. He's a rising star in the league. He's a big part of the reason why there's been a renewed source of energy and hype around a franchise in the San Diego Padres that are one of the few you can make a very legitimate objective argument that they've had a worse run of their Major League Baseball existence than the Colorado Rockies. They've been around longer. They have a worse overall record. Right, They haven't been to the postseason much at all. And they have this issue, especially lately, of appearing to be pretty damn cursed. Right? Like, even just going back a few years, you know, 17 and 18, obviously the Rockies are better than the Padres those years. The Rockies are going to the postseason. The Padres weren't really relevant. 19, the Padres were supposed to start to become relevant. They brought in Manny Machado, all this other stuff. That was the first big move. Okay, these guys are really taking it seriously. They were starting to spend all that money. 2019, they finished worse than the Rockies, who had obviously a very, very disappointing year. But Padres keep doing all their things. They have that weird 2020 year. Everybody had a weird 2020 year, but they did make the postseason. Got their butts handed to them by the Dodgers right away, but... Short season, all that stuff, plenty of reason to feel the momentum. Bunch of additions that offseason. And that was another thing. And now, now that's the offseason where I get to go back. And look, I can't claim an I told you so on an 80-game PED suspension. There's no way I could have seen coming. I was more concerned about his health. But the general principle of let's let him play. And, and look, I cross-apply this to everything. We have to project into the future to some extent. We've got to think, of course, about, you know, what the team is going to look like next year and all that stuff. But some of these analysts and some of the conversation, when we start talking two, three, four years down the line, and when in the offseason between the weird-ass 2020 year and 2021, the Padres had become... They, they really already were the talk of the town, of Major League Baseball town, but they've, since that moment, been the darlings of baseball media, of, of the baseball hype train. 
right? They've won every offseason and every trade deadline. Well, they they didn't win last year's trade deadline. They kind of got brutalized because they had almost swung a big trade and instead the pod, or the, the Dodgers got the guys they wanted uh, in Trey Turner. And then they also picked up Max Scherzer. So this year, you know, I saw them declared in the local paper of record, the trade deadline champions. I mean, they keep getting stuff like that, right? They've been the off-season champions and the trade deadline champions and the free agency champions and all this stuff. But at some point, you got to win baseball games. You know, last year, they they missed the postseason altogether, finished only four or five. I, I just wrote about it earlier. I can't remember. They, they were not statistically significantly better than the Colorado Rockies last year. Despite all of this stuff. Now, this year, they're still in a healthy position to make the postseason. And I think they almost certainly still will. Got a pretty good ball club there. But there are clearly a lot of issues. And now a big, huge, gigantic one about whether or not... you see some of the comments from A.J. Preller about trust and some of his teammates? Like, that. this is bad beyond just the 80 games that he's going to miss and the fact that he won't be eligible for the postseason i think maybe next year's postseason i gotta double check the rules on that like this is very very bad they may end up having to to trade him if they feel like the the trust is gone the bonds there are gone and that's not going to be easy for a guy that does have now two sort of off the field red marks you worry about his health because this all happened while he was recovering from injury. And then you worry about his decision-making process. Because this was really super dumb. And so, you know, to go back to that winter between 20 and 21, when a lot of people were telling me, you know, this is one of the reasons why the Rockies absolutely have to do this full teardown and rebuild, because the Padres are going to be the class of the NL West along with the Dodgers for the next decade again I couldn't have known this was coming but I pump the brakes on stuff like that all the time because you don't know what can happen in the future there are so many different possibilities and until a team and or a player has a really truly established themselves in Major League Baseball. This actually goes back to another conversation. It's going to seem incongruous for a second, but stick with me here. Don't uh, I promise I'm going to connect all these dots. But remember back in 17 and 18 when all we were arguing about was who was going to bat leadoff and who was an ace. Remember that? An ace. What is an ace? Who is an ace? And we were, were asking Bud Black about this all the time, and he would say, actually, I don't think the Rockies do have an ace. For some people, it's just your best starting pitcher, right? So every team has an ace. But to him, an ace is a guy who has proven for really at least four years that he's going to be at or near the top of the league in just about every category. He's going to have a stupendous ERA, all the, you know, some good strikeout numbers, low walks, all that stuff year after year after year. Clayton Kershaw, Justin Verlander, you know, Jacob deGrom when he's healthy, though that's another interesting when he's healthy conversation. And for me, 
I think that basically just applies across baseball. You know, you're an all-star, and being an all-star in Major League is is nothing to sneeze at, you know? But I've even called Fernando Tatis Jr. a superstar several times, right, or whatever, because he has that kind of talent, because when he's on the field, he, he can do everything. He's got all the tools, all the stuff, right? But he hasn't done it for year after year after year. Juan Soto's getting to that point, and he has such a fundamentally good approach that I think we're we're there now, right? But from a team standpoint, the Padres haven't proven anything. And this is a real blow to the entire franchise and organization. And so... I'm caught between, <laughs> on the one hand, that really does just kind of suck. Like, the good Padres fans, the earnest Padres fans who just love baseball and love their team and have loved them through years of crap just like you have yours and all of that, you know, they, they deserved to be able to root for a team that's really, really good. And they may not ever get to see the team they thought they were going to have when they acquired Juan Soto and they were going to be able to put all this superstar talent out there on the field. Like we may never see Soto and Tatis playing together. We may, but there's a, there might be a limit to the excitement around that now, you know, and there, there's just from a talent standpoint without them, they don't stack up to the Dodgers. So this is huge. And, you know, it's just one of those reasons why you don't declare a team a dynasty before they've even proven that they can be a perennial postseason team. That they, Let them get to the postseason three years in a row. Then we can start talking about whether or not other teams should get out of their way because there's no stopping this juggernaut, right? Like the Dodgers are that. They've earned that. The Yankees are that. Even when they don't win the division and even when they don't win the World Series, the Dodgers and Yankees have proven that they are juggernauts to be either contended with or just worked around, right? But it was never reasonable to suggest that the San Diego Padres were going to be that to such an extent that other teams should be changing their order of operations based on their existence. Other reasons may be. But, yeah. Man, that franchise is cursed. I do, I do feel really bad for those fans. But I also can't help but kind of laugh at the industry-wide rush to proclaim this team something. Now look, the Padres could go on and win the World Series this year and then this little rant is going to seem ridiculous, right? Like they still got a lot of talent. We all know that once you get down there to the dance, it's all about who's pitching well, who's playing well, all those kinds of things. And they certainly have the capability uh, to beat everybody, but they also have the capability to fall out of the postseason altogether or to go out in the first round in flames once again and go into the offseason with a whole bunch of question marks surrounding a franchise that was supposed to be a dynasty by now, but missed the postseason one year and, again, first round flame out or maybe missed both postseason both years. And then it's like, man, 
<laughs> that would be brutal. I, I sent out a poll and I asked Rockies fans, you know, which would be funnier if they missed the postseason, the Cardinals or the Padres. And I actually thought more people would say the Cardinals and, and, and it was pretty comfortably the Padres. Um, maybe it's just, maybe, maybe you just want someone to have it worse off than you. <laughs> the schadenfreude is strong at uh, sports. It's okay. It's just sports. It's fun, right? It's I normally, I think rooting for other people to fail or to lose is a very gross way to go about your life. But in sports, especially when it's the Cardinals, for me, I actually, the reason I come down on the Cardinals and, and I think you've noticed I've kind of been hyper fixated on this for a while but they're just one of the six teams who's had institutionalized power they're always in the postseason they always have a built-in advantage they're the six teams that have the best records in the history of the postseason right there's new york boston san francisco la chicago and st louis those are the six teams with the best records in the history of baseball and they're also the six teams that you see in the postseason pretty much every year. The Cubs now, except for when they're trying to lose on purpose. Uh, you know, Red Sox, of course, having a down year this year, but they've been a, a fixture of late. And again, even though they went through that long World Series drought, they were almost always in the postseason, similar to the Cubs, right? And so those six teams, it's just like, I generally root for anybody else to break through the 150-year-old institutions of baseball. But there's something about the fact that the Padres have generally been worse run than the Colorado Rockies, but they don't get that kind of hypercriticism and their players aren't discounted and, you know, all that stuff. There's just not that extra thing that goes with it. And then when they do some good stuff, they get all this praise before anything has even happened. And so, I don't know, kind of, kind of wild out there. Absolutely brutal news for that franchise. Anyway, let's go to some much happier news. Let's end on a good note, on a happy note here, and talk a little bit about Wynton Bernard. There's not a whole lot that I can say that hasn't been said a couple hundred times by everyone around the community right now. Uh, you know, as most of you know, I've been sort of still in the, the honeymoon phase, so I, literally, uh, so I haven't been down there uh, to, to get full deep in all this stuff, but really, really cool to see this guy making his debut anytime this happens you remember with tim melville whoever it is when they make their major league debut after 10 plus years in the minor leagues and after their 30th birthday it's always really super cool and you know we've talked about winton bernard a little bit here on the show and i've written about him throughout the season part of the reason why his numbers were just absolutely ridiculous and you know the bcl is known for having times where guys put up massive numbers over a year he absolutely earned his place and I, I I don't want to discount in any way what's going on here as I've said before and I say with everyone that comes up I was saying it about Connor Joe at the beginning of this year who didn't have a huge prospect profile but you never know uh there have been other guys that have really popped in that way but you know just uh, again, I'll, I'll do the cold water and then we'll get back into the fun stuff. Just a little bit to remember, you know, Josh Fuentes was another guy. Uh, Joshua, excuse me, change that. Uh, Joshua Fuentes was another guy who was a you know PCL player of the year. Huge numbers in that league. Really hit the ball well for a season. None of that really ended up 
uh, translating. So we've seen that before, but that's not to say, I mean, it's still a results-oriented business. So when a guy's hitting close to 400, you know, and, and Winton Bernard is putting up truly massive numbers in AAA, at some point you do got to give him a call, and especially in a season like this, give him a try, see if it might translate, even if there are scouts and reports and, you know, little nuanced things in the peripherals that suggest, hey, maybe it won't, maybe this guy is the proverbial quadruple-A player, right, can really excel in triple-A, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate, and it may. And I really hope that it does, because he's got such a fun and exciting tool set. He's got good speed. He's got good pop. Neither is elite, but both are well above average. He's hitting the ball to all fields uh, throughout this year. Obviously, right now, and and I I think in general, he's bringing a ton of energy and positivity and all of this stuff to the franchise. But I do think, generally speaking, that's the kind of... Uh, energy that that he brings and the the type of guy that he is and the type of player he's going to be. It was great to see the Rockies got him right in there on day one, had him start in center field. He got his first base hit that was almost taken away by the, quote, human element. Uh, Good thing we've got the technology to get that right. He got to score his first run as a part of his first rally, which ended up being essentially the game-winning rally. So what just a really, really cool day, really great way to make your Major League Baseball debut, and a player to watch out for, like all these guys are. You know, just because there are certain things that you might want to look at and say, hey, hey, just because he was hitting 400 in AAA doesn't mean he's going to come up here and be some superstar player. And those wouldn't be fair expectations for him either. This is the, let's see what he can do stage. Let's find out. Let's all find out together. Because some guys do pop. Some guys do become a thing, as I put it you know, earlier in the year about Jose Urania. And sometimes being a thing means, hey, we can rely on you to be a fourth or fifth rotation starter. Hey, you play some good defense out there in center field and you're making enough contact, doing enough good on base stuff that we feel good, even if you're going to be in the bottom part of the lineup, right? Now, could go bigger, grander, greater than that. And it would be really neat to see. I I hope so. Uh, You know, the the Rockies are due for one of these. It's been a while since they've had a guy uh, just kind of pop. I guess Scott Oberg, probably the last time they had a guy come up through their system who was not uh, a high round draft pick, who was not really highly touted throughout the minors, you know, until basically until right before getting there. And and like with Oberg, you know, it was like once he got to AAA and he was posting like a 190 ERA, striking out a bunch of dudes, you're just like, well, uh, you know, Jake Bird is having kind of a similar existence right now as well, where not a lot of prospect pedigree there, you know, not a lot of hype, but the numbers right now just tell you, okay, he's going well. Um, And that does just bring us back to the earlier conversation, right? About, okay, going well for how long? That is the trick of Major League Baseball. For an individual, for a team, you can can have a great game. You can have a great week. You can have a great month. And that not really amount to much. You can have a great two months. 
You can even have, especially as an individual or as a team, I mean, think about your Rockies. You can have two great seasons or really good seasons. And then it all falls apart. Happens to individuals. My go-to example has been Tim Lincecum. I feel like I need to update that one with a more modern player. It's sort of, I guess, actually, Cody Bellinger and um, Christian Yelich. Those guys were back-to-back MVPs just a couple of years ago. And now they've got some of the worst qualified hitting numbers in baseball. It's amazing how quickly this game can humble you and how fast things can turn around. You know, when people ask me, how does this game, you know, how does this team get back into postseason contention? I can't tell you exactly how, but then again, on the day they traded Troy Tulowitzki in 2015, I didn't see a path toward back-to-back postseasons two years later. And honestly, it didn't really come from the guys they got from Tulo, did it? And so, let's find out what happens with Winton Bernard. Let's find out what happens with some of these other guys. Jake Bird. Alejeros Montero. How about the little stretch he's on? Brendan Rodgers, one of those guys a lot of people were out on early. Like, again, Brendan Rodgers is a great example of, you know, just a world's different of analysis right now from where we were a year and a half ago. Where a lot of people thought, this guy's never going to make it. Remember, after his first 150 at-bats in Major League Baseball, he's hitting like a buck o two striking out 38% of the time. Just looked like he didn't belong in Major League Baseball. And a lot of people thought he didn't. But now it's clear he very much belongs in Major League Baseball, And but he's still searching for that same thing we're talking about here, right? Okay, you've been able to string together some weeks. Those became a month. Then he went back down. Now you're stringing together some weeks and a month. Now his next thing is next year. How do you have a great year as opposed to several really good months a couple of pretty frustrating ones it's a it's a long-term battle is this game right and and Winton Bernard is just starting his and the Rockies will continue theirs so will the Padres by the way and we don't know what the 2024 season is going to look like right now So as much as, again, yes, it's always important to think about the future and keep it in mind and project a little bit and think about the decisions that need to be made four, two, three, four years down the line. I think we as media, and more broadly speaking as fans, need to just take all of that stuff with much bigger helpings of salt. I just think those conversations need to be toned down a great deal. When we start saying, you know, three years from now, this team that hasn't even gone to the postseason yet is still going to be a dynasty. I think we need to maybe pump the brakes on our crystal balls and and think about, <laughs> you know, maybe entertaining other possibilities that could come up. Since there's always other possibilities that can come up. I did not have... 
for this week, Fernando Tatis Jr. makes big, huge, franchise-shifting dumb mistake, and 31-year-old rookie debuts and actually gets Colorado Rockies fans really excited for a day. It's a beautiful game. Beautiful world out there. It's, it's wild. So thank you all for listening into this episode of 20th and Blake Make sure you're checking out all the other podcasts here on the Mile High Podcast Network. Make sure you check out my appearance with Ryan Blackburn on Pickaxe and Roll recently. That was really fun. We did a little uh, wide-scope Rockies talk, uh, kind of about their legacy in the local market. And then we did a whole bunch of movie talk, talking about the best trilogies of all time and a bunch of nerdy stuff. And that was a whole lot of fun. So if you're interested in that, check that out. Make sure you're subscribed to that podcast on all your Uh, podcast apps and all that stuff checking out all the written content at milehighsports.com and other than that just continuing to be absolutely awesome out there you know that i will continue to be absolutely drew creaseman in here and until next time i will see you at the ballpark